0: Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute at Cleveland Clinic. In each podcast, we aim to provide relevant and helpful information for healthcare professionals involved in cardiac, vascular, and thoracic specialties. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Venu Menon. I'm the Section Head of Clinical Cardiology at the Cleveland Clinic, and I'm also Program Director of our Cardiovascular Fellowship Program. Uh, Welcome to our feature highlighting research uh, published by the Cardiology Fellowship, Uh, and today I'm delighted to have Erica Hutt, who is a first-year cardiology fellow who just joined us earlier this July. Uh, The use of the Watchman device uh, has been really useful for us in cardiology because, as you know, uh, atrial fibrillation has a significant thromboembolic risk and compliance as well as the ability to tolerate Coumadin is limited in a large number of patients, which renders them uh, vulnerable to Uh, stroke as a result of atrial fibrillation. And so Erica has this wonderful paper in the HRS journal where she highlights a vulnerable group of patients that were really underrepresented in clinical trials. So Erica, tell us a little bit about your study and the group that you identified that needs further clarity.
1: Yes, of course. So patients with a history of intracranial hemorrhage or any kind of major bleeding were actually excluded from the clinical trials that led to the device uh, approval by the FDA. So there's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to this patient population where we don't really know if they can tolerate the short-term anticoagulation that they need to be on for the watch- after Watchman implantation. So we created a registry um, of patients that actually did receive a device even with a history of intracranial hemorrhage and any major bleeding. And because these patients were excluded from clinical trials, we thought that we could find, um, just see what their outcomes were and if they were able to tolerate anticoagulation after Watchman.
0: That's really interesting. Tell us a little bit about the team approach that is required before you take a person with a prior intracranial hemorrhage and consider them for a procedure like
1: this. That's a great question. So... um, I don't think a lot of people are brave enough to put these patients on anticoagulation at all. So you definitely need a multidisciplinary team, meaning you need to have the neurologists involved, sometimes neurosurgeons, definitely the cardiologist, and then the electrophysiologist. Um, There's a lot of uh, just multidisciplinary meetings where they discuss patients. Um, There are some patients actually get imaging after their intracranial hemorrhage to show stability of the hemorrhage before considering anticoagulation. Some of these patients were challenged with anticoagulation before going for the procedure um, for a short period of time uh, in a way to make sure that they would not bleed. Um, Because as as you know, these patients have to be on 45 days of full anticoagulation after Watchman uh, implantation. So it's really a multidisciplinary uh, approach.
0: Uh, I'm sure that's really challenging. And and, and I think this is a really nice insight into a very vulnerable group of patients. Mm So why don't you describe for us uh, the characteristics of these patients and Mm -hmm. what you found?
1: Mm -hmm. So as you can see in in slide one, uh, patients were elder. They were 73 uh, years of age, um, mean, and their CHADS-VASc scores were very high. So 5.0 CHADS-VASc score and these patients were really completely, as I said, excluded from trials, uh, not only because of the history of intracranial hemorrhage, but also re- underrepresented, meaning that they're much higher um, r- score, chats score than other patients. Um, so multiple comorbidities, as the chats score uh, will tell you, and also very high bleeding risk.
0: And uh, what did you find and how, how was this procedure? Was it safe? Uh, what did you guys find?
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of the outcomes, um, what we really see is that there was, in in a year of follow-up, there were no strokes in these patients. There were no intracranial hemorrhage, which was sort of our main or the most important finding that we didn't see any repeat intracranial hemorrhage. Uh, There was one minor bleeding, and it was really just a hematoma uh, around the side of implant. Um, and then there was one mobile echo density or just device-related thrombosis that was identified at the 45. And this patient was continued on longer anticoagulation without any uh, adverse event.
0: So the bottom line of your study is that there is certainly a group of patients with intracranial hemorrhage who have ongoing risk for further embolic events due to underlying atrial fibrillation in whom a watchman should be considered and Mm -hmm. with a team-based approach, many of them can be protected from future embolic events in the future.
1: Exactly, so most of these patients after an intracranial hemorrhage while being on anticoagulation or even not being on anticoagulation, everyone sort of gives up on their stroke protection strategy. Um, because no one is really willing to anticoagulate this patients, but the watchman comes in as an alternative um, way of protecting the patient from stroke. So again, I think that not, not everyone will qualify to this. Uh, when we were discussing sort of which patients um, are elected to have watchmen, it really depends on what the mechanism of the intracranial hemorrhage was, what neurologists, um, they want to know if it was a Spontaneous hemorrhage versus a non-spontaneous, and then if it was subdural versus intraparenchymal versus subarachnoid, if it was traumatic or not. So all of those things are are taken into account before considering a patient for Watchman implantation.
0: Congratulations on your manuscript Thank you. Thank and you. for highlighting this really vulnerable group of patients. Thank you, Dr. Congrats, and thanks, thanks. for watching uh, this uh, podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.